Today's podcast is brought to you by the engagedinvestor.ca, helping you find and present to joint venture partners. Get your free video training right now at engagedinvestor.ca forward slash breakthrough. Hi, this is Dion Beg from Butler Mortgage. We're currently ranked the number one mortgage brokerage in Ontario and number two in Canada. And much of our success is due to the fact that we help clients acquire multiple investment properties. If you'd like to talk with a mortgage advisor who specializes in investment property, you can reach me at 888-684-8326. To learn more about what's going on in the world of investment property financing, check out episode 23 of the Breakthrough Podcast, where I discuss the topic with Robin Sandy. Breakthrough Real Estate Investing Podcast, episode 38. Hello and welcome to the Breakthrough Real Estate Investing Podcast. We put this show together to inspire you and help you break through to the life that you want to live through the power of real estate investing. My name is Rob Brake and here with me is Mr. Ball and Chain himself, Sandy McKay. How's it going? Good, good. I don't I don't actually know what that's supposed to mean really, but uh, it may have something to do with an announcement we've got coming up. <laughs> I guess we'll see. All right, and we got a, a, a great guest on the line with us too. The uh, infamous Mr. Cashflow is stepping in for uh, for, for an episode here. I'm excited about Are you it. there. Is he there? Are you there? Yeah, I'm here. Okay, great. Good, good. Okay, um, you know I'm I'm excited about this, and uh, I just pushed a. You know. It's funny, Sandy. I had an uh, like a nice dedicated spot to do this podcast, and now I just had to like push a giant pile of Lego out of the way to get my my stuff in place. That's kids, so, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Someday, right? Yeah. Maybe. We'll see. Okay, so everyone should go over to our website, Breakthrough REI Podcast. .ca and get our free gift, the seven freedom activators that you can trigger in your property starting right now. What is that, Sandy? What is that thing all about that they can get over there? Yeah, it's just a great report, a little bit of help for our uh, our listeners on how to basically get more freedom out of their properties so they don't have to be, you know, dealing with crappy tenants, dealing with uh, headaches and that going forward and how they can really set themselves up for the best possible property. So these are seven tips, I guess so that you can do that yourself. Yep. Okay, and a bonus one in there, actually. I think it's actually eight, but we call it seven. Then you there get a free one. Yeah, there might be bonuses. It's a great report. It's free, so you know why not go pick it up? So you can learn more about that and learn more about us at BreakthroughREIPodcast.ca. We've got you know links to other websites and services that we use, articles, blog posts, stuff like that. Again, like there's a few, I know in our old one, Sandy, we had more of our blogs up there and somehow when we switched over to the new site, that's all disappeared and we still haven't got them up. But if you check back over there, they'll probably be up really soon. So uh, everyone go over there and have a look at that. And you know what I'm going to do today, Sandy? There's been so many people leaving us five-star reviews on iTunes. I'm actually going to read some of these today because we never do that. Well, you got some. You're throwing I've me got, for a surprise here. Okay. Yeah, that's right. I've got a few here. Let's see. 
Rookie Investor Wannabe says, Hi, I usually go to these monthly meetings for real estate investors at $20 an evening in Montreal, and it's great. But with this podcast, I get the same info every day, and it's free. It is really, it is a really great show, and I must say that I don't know the before and after interviews and the friendly banter camaraderie between you guys, and I think you need to work on the format. (laughs) (laughs) But in the interviews, yes, I think you need a director or a script consultant. Oh, this is great. (laughs) But otherwise, you you have awesome guests. Okay, so they like our guests, but not us. Um, uh, Really awesome. Keep up the good work. Anyway, so that was good. I never read that one. <laughs> no, there's a bunch here that we haven't seen yet. Just discovered your podcast a couple of weeks ago. Have listened to almost all of them. Great interviews with a lot of helpful content. Keep it up, guys. You're helping. That was from Janice413. And I'll just do a couple more. R. Wilson says, I am hooked. Stumbled <laughs> onto this podcast and I'm hooked. Great to listen to in the car or before bed. I learn something new every episode, and the guest speakers are great. Keep it up, Rob and Sandy. I'm listening. Smiley face. (laughs) BeetleGirl30 says, keep up the good work. Lots of good info. One more. Let's see. Uh, Great podcast. Extremely valuable information. You guys are doing an awesome job. Thanks for taking the time to share with everyone. A few awkward silences that kind of ruin the flow of the conversation sometimes, but that will come are, with practice, I'm sure. These guys are ripping into you, eh, bro? Yeah, they, they, they're not talking about you whatsoever. So, they don't uh, even, like, imagine what, it, what would happen if I didn't edit the show. <laughs> There's a lot more awkward silences that are, that are taken out. Other than that, nothing but great things to say. Keep it up. Hope to work with you guys in the near future. Lifelong Hamiltonian. Oh, really? Yeah, and that's by Jay Ma. There's mm. a bunch more, but, uh, you know, we only have time for so many. Well, I want to encourage everyone to go uh, read, or, sorry, read them, sure, but write some of your <laughs> own as well. Give us some advice. I mean, we always appreciate some uh, good, honest feedback in there, and, you know, leave us a great review. It helps us get this podcast out to more people. Sandy, you're always doing some cool stuff in the investing world and flips and such, buy, fix, refis, all that kind of stuff. But today we're, we've got a little bit of a personal announcement. Yeah, you got engaged, right? Got engaged, yeah. Congratulations. Had a little party and stuff on last weekend for it. It was um, interesting, good stuff. It's exciting. Yeah, okay. Have you guys set a date? Uh, yes. April, April next year. April, April 2017. Really? Okay, lots of time. Lots of time. Yeah. You know what? You got to book it like a year in advance these days. So Yeah, to get a good place. Yeah. Uh, all subscribers to this show get a free invite to the wedding, dinner, and open bar. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we can talk about it. So you get how long have you guys been together? Uh, for over four years. Okay. So she knows what she's in for. <laughs> <laughs> and I do. No surprises? Too, yeah. No, good stuff. Good stuff. Congratulations to uh, you and Kate on the on the big announcement. Thank you. Thank you. We kind of mentioned it on the end. Anyone that listened to the last episode got to hear about that. But uh, that's good, man. Congratulations. Thanks. Happy for you guys. Exciting stuff, man. Good stuff. Yeah. So today's well, guest yeah. is the infamous Mr. Cashflow, like we mentioned before. How are you today? I'm good. How are you? Very good. Very good. Happy to have you on. 
Thanks for having me. It's a, it's a, it's a pleasure to be on the show. So I guess the first thing, the first question that's probably on everybody's mind is how did you get your name, Mr. Cashflow? It's quite funny, actually. It, uh, we were at a function, an investor's function together with a bunch of people, and we started talking and talking about our uh, properties and how much each cash flows. And um, I just kind of called the name, and it sort of stuck on, over uh, over the years. And it, I think it was deserving. I mean, you, we'll get into it maybe more, but you do cash flow pretty well eh, on your properties. Yeah, we were... I want to say we're fortunate, but I also want to say that um, we've developed a strategy that works and it's proven that uh, you still can get uh, good people and good rents uh, if you do your homework. Yeah, very good. We were talking about that before the show and uh, insanely good cash flow, I guess, probably not what you want to advertise to everybody, but wow, like I was pretty blown away. Um, fantastic. So great. Okay. Thanks again for coming on. Mm. Oh, you're welcome. So um, why don't we start off just uh, maybe you could tell the listeners a little bit about your background and how you got into real estate investing. Yeah, sure. So I actually um, uh, work in the law enforcement field and uh, I've been in law enforcement now for oh, about 16 years. I was started working with a uh, mortgage broker years ago, probably about five years ago now, and um, he kind of led me in the direction of uh, real estate investing. And I guess ever since uh, five years ago, it took off and uh, we've been successful primarily in the um, multifamily dwellings, mm-hmm. if that answers your question. But yeah, so- I have a, I have a I guess a background in law enforcement and and this real estate thing just came up and we ran with it and we've been knock on wood so far uh, so good. So you were in with your mortgage broker. You were talking about probably how to get a uh, regular principal residence. Is that what was happening? No, we were our mortgage was coming up due on our primary residence, and uh, the broker said to uh, said to us, "You have all this equity in you, in your home." and you're just really not doing anything with it, why don't we pull the equity out and uh, purchase an investment property? Right, so, so he first. figured out how to make a repeat customer. Yeah, smart exactly. mortgage broker. Yeah, good yeah. stuff. And so that's how it started. Awesome, okay, well that's great. Um, <clears throat> and so you still have, so you're still working full time right now, right? I still work full time as well, yes. So why don't you tell us a bit about your first property then? what you ended up buying with that uh, equity in those in that property? Sure. We bought a uh, just a very simple duplex, three-bedroom upstairs, two-bedroom downstairs. We've held on to that property now for just coming up to four and a half years. It's dramatically increased in equity since we purchased it, and we haven't had a vacancy in the four and a half years, so it's been, it's been pretty good. You haven't had one vacancy? Wow. Not in four and a half years, no. That's awesome. It, uh, the property shows well. I mean, um, although it's four years old, it, it shows well. It's um, a good layout, and we've been fortunate to uh, screen the tenants very well, and we haven't had any issues uh, since we've had the property. Cool. 
So then you bought this place and that sort of got the bug into you. Is that what happened? And how long was it after you bought that place you decided to just keep on going and letting it roll? It, uh, yeah, pretty much that's exactly what happened. We let it roll. I think it um, wasn't long. It was maybe six six months later, six to seven months. And the same broker uh, said, have you heard about all the frenzy out in Hamilton? You should try investing in Hamilton. And uh, needless to say, the rest of our properties are all in Hamilton um, since purchasing the first one. They're all located in Hamilton now. And I live about two hours away from Hamilton. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. So, and, and um, how many, how many uh, properties are you at now? Uh, we're at a total of 29 doors. If you add up all our properties, I think we're up to eight, eight, pro- eight or nine properties and 29 doors. 29 doors. Wicked. Great. So they're mostly, uh, well, that's my next question. Actually. What types of properties do you look to invest in and why do you choose those? I mean, I, I guess you're mostly three, four family properties. Primarily, uh, triplexes and fourplexes. We like those because typically, even if you have a vacancy in a triplex or you're renovating one unit, um, you're still able to, I guess, pay your expenses and your mortgage without having to dip into your own pocket to cover the expenses because you still have two units that are operational and generating income. Primarily, that's the reason. And obviously, fully tenanted, if you do your homework and uh, you have a, a, a decent property with good tenants on a, on a triplex, there's no reason why you can't be cash flowing $1,200 a month, twelve to $1,300 a month on the low end for a triplex in Hamilton. Mm. So primarily those are the reasons. And those are those are properties, I mean, you mostly like to renovate, right? We've gotten into the niche of uh, buying distressed properties, renovating, tenanting, and then refining. And, and um, on, on, we've done really well with that strategy as well. Okay, so what does a good property look like as far as, uh, I guess, layout and location goes for you? And then, well, let's start with that. So what does a good property look like for you to go in and do that? We typically look for um, the more two bedrooms as opposed to bachelors. So even if you have a triplex, the more two bedrooms in that triplex as opposed to bachelors would be obviously generating better cash flow. The condition of the property as far as cosmetic shouldn't concern you all that much. It's more the bones of the building that uh, you should pay attention to. And obviously having a good qualified home inspector could put some of your concerns at ease. But uh, typically the layouts of the apartments are pretty, pretty important as well and functional to the tenants that, you know, one day will occupy them. There's a couple of little things that, you know, tricks of the trade, but primarily it's, it's the bones of the building as well as the layout with the suites, how many two bedrooms, how many one bedrooms, stuff like that. It all makes a difference with cash flow and rents. Obviously, you can charge. Right, beautiful. What type of renovations would you do then? Like, I guess, do you have a cookie cutter formula, or do you go in and change it up every time based on where you're located? How do you do it? We typically uh, do a higher end finish. So we'll go as far as doing porcelain tiles, granite countertops, stainless steel appliances, pot lights, ceiling fans in bedrooms, 
we'll give the we'll give the uh, higher end finish to attract more rent and to attract a triple A tenant. We find spending a little bit more at the beginning pays dividends at the end, and not only are you going to attract that good tenant, but you're going to be able to charge close to I don't want to say Toronto, but definitely Mississauga kind of rent, south of Hamilton. Okay, They're, good. One and more you're, question. Um, and you're looking at area-wise. I mean, your properties are mostly right in the downtown core of Hamilton. Yeah, and not in necessarily a, a plus neighborhoods, right? Kind of well, kind of oh. a mixture for you now, but but maybe yeah. maybe B B areas, I would say. I'd say we're ranging from C plus to B areas. Mm-hmm. Typically, yeah. again, we you can you can get a good tenant in a C plus area paying good rents if you offer them a good product and a good finish right yeah what's attractive about the downtown core there sandy because you know i like the idea of what you're saying but i mean isn't it risky to renovate for double a plus tenants in a b sort of area or like do you have any problem finding good tenants in an area that maybe isn't necessarily you know congruent with that type of property I haven't had that experience of any difficulty. It may take you a little bit longer um, to find uh, a good tenant in the B minus or C plus area. But if you take that same property, let's talk about a two bedroom unit for 1300 plus hydro. You take that property in a C plus area and you bring it to an A minus area, that's now 1650 apartment. So you're you're in a C plus area. You're charging 13. It may take you a little bit longer to find that suitable tenant you're looking for. But quite honestly, I haven't had an issue at all. And the and the, the property value. Well, Hamilton's unique, I guess. But the property values in those areas are a big difference from the A A plus areas for sure. Oh yeah, for sure, for sure. Yeah. One second, guys. Hold on. <laughs> I apologize. Sorry about that. <clears throat> oh, God. Okay. Um, so I just had one more question about that then. So I guess if you're if you're looking at distressed properties, you must be buying them up cash and then fixing them up and then going to the bank afterwards. Is that what you're doing? We haven't, uh, most of the time, uh, we're getting bank financing because they are, uh, like if we're buying a triplex, maybe one of the units are occupied. So the, the home is habitable. It's just um, extremely dated. Um, you know, you know your 70-year-old kitchens and shag carpets and, and uh, you know, bad tiles and stuff like that. So for the most part, we, we were able to get financing through uh, through a bank the odd time yeah we'll have to look at private private money but so far I'd say 98 percent of the homes we purchased were all bank financing mm-hmm. oh, okay good that's great yeah that gives me some hope yeah. <clears throat> uh, what question are we on there uh, my question number three yeah well, you, you might have uh, touched on it, I guess, already, but how did you select Hamilton as your target area? Funny enough, that same mortgage broker um, way back when we started suggested uh, suggested we take our investment 
out to Hamilton as uh, and again this goes back four and a half years ago that Hamilton was uh, literally on fire and the cash flow you can generate there as opposed to Toronto or York region night and day so we decided uh, one day we took a road trip and we went out and we checked out some properties and we worked some numbers and projected cash flow was crazy so that attracted me and although I had a lot of I guess reservations or challenges along the way I, um, I I jumped into the fire and started going out to Hamilton and it's been it's been really profitable ever ever since we purchased the first one huh and are you still able to get that kind of uh, deal in this market that we're in right now well Sandy can attest to the, the how aggressive the market is now it's definitely gone up but it's crazy aggressive in Hamilton if and Sandy can can agree with me if if you if you're looking at a triplex for example that is priced right and it's it's got great potential regardless of how distressed it is if it's priced right and it has good potential it's not on the market less than 24 hours to 48 and it's all multiple offers right Right, Sandy? Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah. even, okay, so you're saying that even though we're in this, like, even though there's multiple offers on pretty much every property, you're even, you're still able to, I more, like, not on everyone, obviously, there's some crazy people out there overbidding this stuff, like, just to outrageous levels, but for the most part, you're able to still be able to come in and, uh, you know, put in a reasonable offer and, and get some of these places. Yes, especially if you have a, a realtor like Sandy who sometimes gets tips before they hit the market. So, you know, Sandy will get a tip. Oh, I see. You'll know somebody that's about to list it. So it actually, before it hits MLS, Sandy will <coughs> have a scoop on it and you can jump on it. And Got those are usually really profitable. But also find some diamond in the rough sometimes too, right? I mean, sometimes there's a, the odd place that for various reasons – it kind of just hangs around. Maybe it was, maybe some places get sold right away and then they fall through and then, you know, they're kind of lingering there and nobody notices they're back on the market. Or sometimes places just aren't listed very well. Yeah. And you, you don't, maybe you don't think they're that good <laughs> and you go look at it yourself and you're like, wow, there's actually potential here. Or it's just seeing potential in places that uh, maybe other people don't. I don't know, maybe like your five, uh, your five unit, for example. The five unit was definitely a home run, a grand slam, for sure. And that was on the market for what? Was I'd say month? close to 30 days. Yeah, it was about 30 days. And then uh, we we ran the numbers and it was like, yeah, this, this is definitely going to be a cash machine. And uh, yeah, it was a home run for sure. Do you mind giving the numbers on that, that particular one, just as an example? What you purchased for, what you refinanced it for, that type of thing? Yeah, how much you so we purchased so, it. Go sorry, ahead. yeah. So you, whatever you purchased purchased it for, how much you put into it, and then refi and uh, and what you're getting in rents, that kind of thing. Yeah. We purchased it for um, three ninety uh, for five units. <sighs> okay. <laughs> Legal four mm-hmm. with five units. I'm just trying to work the numbers here on my calculator. Um, what the rents are. So it produces. Gross income is fifty four hundred, fifty four hundred a month gross. We bought it for three ninety. We dumped sixty into it. 
major, mostly it was just lipstick stuff, paint, some backsplashes, dress some stuff up. Uh, but mostly it was just lipstick, change all the lighting, some trendy fixtures. A little bit of electrical. A little bit of, yeah, we got rid of some, actually we got rid of a lot of knob and tube. Yeah. Uh, individually metered the units. So I think we were into it for 60. So 450 and we refied for 585 mm-hmm. around there, 585, give or take from what I remember. So we got all our, I think we're, I think we're left with, at the end of the day, we got all our money from our rentals out. And as far as our down payment goes, I think we were left with 20 grand in the property, mm-hmm. like that, give or take. Not a lot anyway. Yeah, that's fantastic. That's amazing. And so, 5,400 in, in uh, income, pretty nice. So what was it about that one? What was it about that one that, 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 people, that other people didn't see? It's in a... It's in a I would say a C-class area. Maybe that's what distracted them. Typically the area, I don't think anybody could probably fathom that we would generate the kind of rents that we do there because it's in a C-class area and actually attract good people. And maybe that's what kind of scared them away. But we were able to uh, dress it up nicely and um, get good tenants there generating, like I said, $5,400 a month. It, it is possible. Maybe maybe that was the case. I don't know. But for us, it was a home run. So what were some of the challenges that you faced while you were starting out? I guess for me, I didn't have a real coach. I didn't. Um, I was relying on a lot of what my mortgage broker said. My comfort level was okay while we stayed close to home. I live in York Region. So while we stayed close to home... My comfort level was fine, but when we branched out to Hamilton, the challenges of um, having an income property almost, uh, you know, an hour and a half away, not really knowing the area, not really knowing what I could generate in rents, not really knowing what kind of tenants I could attract, and really not knowing the whole um, schematics about Hamilton was challenging and I made some, obviously not everything was perfect. I made a couple of small mistakes that I, um, having a good coach would have avoided. But um, in the long run, it's definitely paid off. There was a, there was a, there was a significant learning curve if you're doing it on your own and you don't have a good team of people around you. Uh, For example, um, a good realtor, a good contractor, I guess a banker or mortgage broker. If you have a good solid team of people that you build that all have experience in the industry and in that area, you're going to be successful. Do you still use that same mortgage broker? No. No. (laughs) No. Okay. No, a lot of the challenges that I faced in the learning curve, I kind of, kind of, was on my own to face them and as a result of that I I made new contacts and uh, the the power of networking too as you already know is huge so through through making different contacts you meet different people and new mortgage people that offer you better service and then you meet people like Sandy who um, know the area and have a lot of experience in it and can help steer you in the right direction. So primarily those were my challenges, just not having the experience 
and the comfort level and a good team of people that already been through the mistakes you're about to make can make a difference. Mm -hmm. Great. So what types of systems have you since put in place in your business to be more effective and help avoid some of those mistakes? Considering I work full time, my uh, wife works full time. We don't have a management company. I manage the properties myself. Obviously, when you're dealing with 29 doors, you have to stay organized and you have to stay on top of things. So actually, I got I was referred uh, to the system through Kate. Uh, she put me on this. Uh, it's called on-site property management. Yep. And it's a program that uh, basically tracks. You can input all your information, your monthly rents, your tenants, and it tracks everything for you. It, it keeps me extremely organized. I highly recommend it if, if you're dealing with uh, multi-unit dwellings where you need to track your rents and your tenants, so on and so forth. So we, we stay organized with that. I scan a lot of my documents. So if I'm ever called to task on something or I have to send the lawyer something or the accountant, it's all scanned in my computer. So when I click of a button, I can bring it up. I guess most importantly, I kind of mentioned it in the last answer, Having a good coach or a good team of people that you're surrounded with in that area where you want to be will help you a lot. I kind of learned it on my own. And then I networked and met Sandy and some other good people out there. And that's a really strong strategy to be successful there as well. So bottom line, stay organized, stay on top of everything and surround yourself with knowledgeable people that can help you avoid making mistakes and help you succeed as well. All very good advice. Yeah, the best part is, I mean, with a full-time job, you're still managing all that. I mean, I think that's pretty impressive. Um, I think so the trick too is if, if you if you put the time in and you find good people, that the properties run themselves. If you, yeah. Especially if you're generating or you're, sorry, you're renovating the property. So you know you're, you have a good property, everything's pretty well brand new, and you're picking good people they run themselves. You, you don't need to be there every day and, you know, be on top of it because really they, they run themselves. And actually, how do you select the tenants? I know you're pretty thorough when you're screening them and you have to be to get the good ones. How do you do that? Do you have any tips on that? So everybody, um, we have a, a generic application form and everybody fills out an application and I think a lot of the mistakes junior landlords may make is they don't verify everything on the application about every applicant. So typically what we do is anything they put down on that application, we either prove it or disprove it. And if we disprove it and it's not accurate or something's not right, then we're done. On to the next. If everything on that application, we're able to prove is factual and accurate and the references are good. And I mean, nine out of 10 times, you can probably tell if you're talking to the guy's buddy who's going to just give him a good <laughs> reference because, you know, he's just trying to get the place. And then you can tell if it's a genuine person that you're talking to, like a, a previous genuine landlord. But it's important to make all those calls and make all those checks because if you skip them, you're probably going to wind up being in trouble. Does that make sense? Oh, yeah. Very good. Yeah. Yeah, yeah that's huge. I, I mean, you, it's worth taking a little extra time at the beginning for a lot less trouble down the road. 
No you doubt. can also do your own uh, credit checks. So if you, I, I recommend you check the tenant's credit. <clears throat> and there's a website, Tenant Verification Services. Mm-hmm. And um, I think they charge about $24 per credit check. So I, I recommend, I usually do that as well. I don't do it the first step if, if I'm really seriously considering um, granting this person tenancy. One of the last steps, uh, obviously I'll ask them at the onset, but one of the last steps is I'll is run the credit and spend the $29, and most of them will be glad they reimburse you for that if they're good people and they really want the place. So I would recommend that as well. What if it comes back bad? Is they're out or any leniency with it? We'll offer leniency if they have a co-signer. Okay. So if if they're willing to have someone co-sign on the lease for them, that and that co-signer obviously has to have AAA credit. Yeah. But if they don't have a co-signer, and um, I don't want to say every time, but most of the time, yeah, that would be a deal breaker. Mm-hmm. If they have terrible credit and they don't have a co-signer, most, most times that would be a deal breaker for us. Okay. Yeah, no, that's all good tips, and I mean, I'll even I'll leave a place open for a month rather than get the wrong person in there, and I've done that. Luckily enough, you haven't had to do that from what you've told us, but I have done that myself. Better to get somebody good in there than just pay the rent for that month and then deal with a bunch of headaches later. Yeah, I agree. If you still, I mean, if you if you're familiar with the landlord tenant board, it won't. You hear the horror stories. It took six months to get this person out. It's probably because they didn't serve the forms properly and on time, and there was issues with that. Because if I mean, if you do it properly, knock on wood, I haven't had to go through it, but it shouldn't take six months. No. No, there's a story behind there's a story behind all that stuff and you're right, generally it is they haven't filed their paperwork properly or whatever it may be, but it's most of the time something to do with that kind of process that takes that that manages to push it down the road that far. So it takes that long for stuff like that. Because there's a process and the process is not that long. If if there's genuinely a real issue and a reason for these people that you need to get them out, then it, it doesn't take that long at all. Mm-hmm. Right. <clears throat> and um, on that note, I know you've you've had some properties where you've had to inherit some tenants. I know people always ask me about this, so it's worth uh, just touching on. How can you turn that into a good property? I mean, that's also sometimes a lot of an opportunity that others don't want to deal with that you can turn around and make a good investment out of it. I know you've had some experience with maybe getting rid of some tenants that you had to inherit. How have you done that? And um, and I guess has it been worthwhile? We experienced it once, once or twice, and I, I think the easiest, simplest solution is to convince the tenant that they sign the N11 form, which is you're both agreeing to terminate the tenancy. You're agreeing, they're agreeing, you sign, they sign, and you set a date. I think that's the easiest way, and we did that once or twice. It typically works if you offer them an incentive. For example, um, you know, I know this is a, a bit of a pain in the butt. You have to move, and I, I want to help cover your moving expenses. So you offer them like $500 or up to maybe even $1,000, depending on the potential of the building or how quickly you want them out. And for us, 
we have never had a problem where, you know, they'll turn around and say, well, yeah, I guess, uh, I guess we have to go. And sure. I thank you for the moving, for the moving, uh, expense fund that you're providing us. And obviously you don't give them the money till the day they move out. And I typically say, you know, I'll be here the day you leave with the $500 cash. And, um, as long as you leave and you don't leave any of your garbage behind, we'll, we'll be more than glad to give you 500 cash. Mm-hmm. And we've been successful that way. And then that opens up the door to, to, uh, bring that property up, up to snuff and then start generating some real money. Mm-hmm. Uh, great. So where do you see your business going in the future? What kind of things have you got in store? The strategy we've had has been extremely successful. So we're probably going to just continue that same strategy and look for your typical triplex or fourplex and maybe just expand. I mean, we're always looking for opportunities. If, if people are interested in um, being part of a joint venture and they want to take the uh, stress out of it and start off with a property that they don't mind a bit of coaching on and guidance and then maybe their second property go on their own. Um, we're, we're looking and exploring that avenue where it could be profitable for them as well as us. And then maybe even dabbling into the commercial side of things, maybe going to, you know, eight to 10 unit buildings if, if, if the cap rate's right and, and the, the numbers work as well as they do on triplexes or fourplexes. But our strategy has been proven successful, so we're, we're not going to change much, obviously, but maybe just venture on getting a little bit, a little bit bigger and, and continuing on grabbing more properties. And then is the goal to become a full-time investor? Ultimately, yes. I love investing. I, it's enjoyable. It's, it has its challenges, but I, I don't know. I, I can invest, and it doesn't feel like I'm working. It feels like I'm, I'm, I'm doing something I really enjoy. And um, knock on wood, we've been successful at it. So it's almost like uh, being a... It's almost like being a professional athlete making millions of dollars and loving what you do, except mm-hmm. this is on a, obviously a different scale. So what do you think is the best way for someone to get started in real estate investing? Well, if they have, obviously your initial down payment will get you started. So typically it's you're 20% down. And if you have that to start with, or if you have a creative mortgage broker who can wiggle you in for 5% down even better. But um, if you have the down payment, then I guess you have to decide where you want to invest. And I would highly recommend Hamilton. If you're looking for cash flow, um, I would I would highly recommend Hamilton. And then moving forward from there is to surround yourself with, and I've said it before, with strong people in the industry that have proven their success through their experience that they can turn around and help you with. Even if it's just for advice or having a good realtor like Sandy who can find you a good property. And I mean, a realtor like Sandy that also has investment properties, he can steer you in the right direction as far as he sees the potential in the property and he know that's a good price. That's not a good price. These are the rents you can generate. And then having a good coach as well to, to be there to answer your questions and to kind of guide you in that right direction. Mm-hmm. I think all those things, ultimately having a strong team around you ultimately is going to help you succeed. 
and avoid uh, setbacks for your first property. And as you build that confidence and that experience, um, it, it, you're off to the races and then um, you're good to go. And then jump, take the jump. Take the jump and do it. I mean, I don't think you'll regret it. I know I haven't. It's been it's been great for me. We're generating cash flow that um, is unheard of and, and profitable. And not only that, the properties in Hamilton are, are on fire. I mean, the appreciation. Sandy, what did it appreciate over the last year, passive appreciation? Do you oh, know what percentage? In the downtown area, we're talking, depending on the specific areas, anywhere between 10 and 15%. Actually, yeah. actually, it goes even higher than that. In, in a few little pockets, it's 20% plus. Yeah. yeah, and yeah. I know Rob's probably similar, right, in Oshawa. Yeah, it's very similar. Like you said, it just depends on where you look. It's, it's funny the the sale prices are all over the place for the same types of properties. Just insane, though, insane. Um, hoping we get some more inventory out there to kind of cool things off. No kidding. <laughs> okay, so what resources can you recommend for a new investor? Well, I mentioned staying organized with the resources of what's available online. And then as far as professional resources, I would highly recommend uh, a good realtor like Sandy. I would rec- we have a crew. Is that Sandy knows- paying you for this interview? No, no, no. I, <laughs> tell him like it is. I'm being straight up. And um, no, seriously, he, he's, he's got a niche for what's going on out there. And um, he'll be straight up. I mean, he's, he'll be the type of guy to say, you'll call him and say, what do you think of this one? And he'll say, no, not that one, as opposed to saying, well, if you like it, let's put an offer. Yeah. He'll be straight up and tell you, no, I, I wouldn't recommend it for these reasons and, and trying to save you, uh, you know, save you in the long run. Yeah, well, absolutely. That's the best way to go about things. you got to build trust and you're not going to build your team unless you can establish those relationships. The relationships are very important, like you said. Yeah. Yeah, and that's just the that's just the realtor knowing their market, right? Really, is yeah. what it comes down to. Um, I mean, I'm not I'm not the only one out there. I'm uh, certainly not. I certainly don't know every area very well. But in Hamilton, for example, sure. Rob, I mean, in Oshawa, you're almost as good as me. Uh, <laughs> I got a long way to go. <laughs> yeah. So you, you got to, and you got that's a lot of that. Yeah, you said it just comes down to networking, really referrals typically are, are the best way to find a great realtor. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Beautiful. Beautiful. How can people get in touch with you? How can people contact you and team up with you and become JV partners and make all this cash flow? <laughs> so we've, uh, we've, we've actually incorporated now that we've, we've been growing quite um, respectfully, I'll say. Um, we've, we've incorporated. So we have a, we've set up an email address. You can email me at executiveproperties.com at rogers.com great so yeah that'd be cool and I'm, I'm i'm eager to help and um yeah if you're interested in taking your investment out to hamilton and, and like to uh maybe embark on a joint venture or get some coaching tips by all means um, i'd love to help out yeah i should say you're you've already started down that road right you've been kind of coaching a couple people already out this way so i know uh i know you've been starting that and it's been going really well I mean, we want to encourage people to contact you and take you up on this free advice. Why not? Why not? It's free, and you can learn from some of the mistakes I made. I've been out in Hamilton now, like I said, four and a half years. 
So I can I know the areas, I know what the market price should be, and um, I know the kind of tenants you want to generate and, and, and attract in certain areas and what, what's possible as far as rents, and then you can run your numbers based on some of the advice I can give you. Awesome. Well, this has been great and really inf- informative, and uh, you know, thank you for taking the time to come out and talk with us tonight. Really appreciate you coming out. All right. Thanks so much, yeah, Rob and Sandy. Have a good night. All right. Good night. Thank you. Bye.